The Olympics have begun in communist China, which pitifully the U.S. is not boycotting. Of course, we would never want to offend China. We'll get into that coming up. Of course, Whoopi Goldberg's disgraceful comments about the Holocaust. Sarah Palin is suing the New York Times for defamation. She actually may win, and this could be very, very damaging to the mainstream media. That's coming up. Update on Iran. Bombshell study from Johns Hopkins University saying that the COVID lockdowns did virtually nothing to save lives and in fact did a lot of harm. And yet, of course, the media is burying this Hopkins study. This is a bombshell. We're going to dive into this. Why is the media burying the Hopkins study? Johns Hopkins, you talk about the epitome of science. I mean, what happened to following the science? All right, that's only when the science fits the media's agenda. All of that is coming up. There is so much, speaking of COVID, there is so much hypocrisy on COVID with politicians on the left. I mean, so many Democrat politicians lecture all of us, but then they themselves do not keep to the guidelines that they've created and that they lecture us that we've got to keep. So you have Mayor Eric Gar- This is just embarrassing. Mayor Eric Garcetti of L.A., he was caught taking a picture at a football game while not wearing his mask. He was caught maskless. Now, again, a lot of people would say, what's the big deal? But again, Democrats like Garcetti tell us that it's a very big deal. And, and in fact, they have all sorts of mandates and restrictions and they're constantly lecturing, and yet Garcetti says he was holding his breath. Yeah, I was not holding him. I was not wearing a mask at that at that game. You caught me, but I was holding my breath while I was taking that picture. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. All right, new CDC guidelines. You don't. You must wear a mask if you go to public events, but uh, or you, it's strongly recommended or whatever. But even though a lot of masks are worthless, by the way, but according as per the CDC. But as long as you hold your breath, you're good. If you're not wearing a mask, that's okay. Just hold your breath. Meanwhile, California's Governor Gavin Newsom took a picture with an athlete, and uh, he was not wearing a mask. I mean, uh, and by the way, Gavin Newsom broke the COVID rules so many times that there was actually a recall election over it, but he managed to somehow squeak by and win that recall election. A caller made the point. We have more on COVID coming up. A caller made the point. You know, we've been talking, obviously, like everybody, about Ukraine and Putin and Russia invading Ukraine. Now Biden is sending troops to that to that area, to that region, which is absurd on so many levels. But like you do not send troops if U.S. uh, citizens are not in danger, period. I mean, it's just the, the, the financial toll, which right now the, the the country simply cannot afford, not to mention putting troops in harm's way. It's just absurd. And not to mention, as a caller, a listener made the point, you cannot start threatening Vladimir Putin right now. I mean, Vladimir Putin, Russia, uh, the, I've always say Russia is an enemy of the United States. China, Russia, they're enemies. I want to call it like it is. But at the same time, we can't start having any sort – not only can we not have a battle or a war with Russia – we can't even taunt Russia. I mean, you you can't take such risks. You can't take chances like that. That's like political suicide to have any sort of uh, military threat that you wage against Putin and against Russia. And a call, the, the same listener made another great point. He said, the world is coming apart at the seams. You got Putin threatening to invade Ukraine. Did not happen under Trump. In fact, under Trump, Trump made Ukraine very strong, and he made and he made Putin frightened and respectful of Trump. You have China. 
potentially invading Taiwan. They're watching very closely to see how Biden responds to Putin in Ukraine. You have North Korea. They are back now launching missiles left and right. So remember how everyone told us how Trump was going to lead us into war. And this is, again, the listener's point. Remember, Trump was going to be the the warmonger. He was the loose cannon, and he was taunting Kim Jong-un, and he's going to lead us into a nuclear war. And under Trump, all you had was peace everywhere. I mean, putting aside the fact, the accords where he made peace in the Middle East, but nobody messed with Trump. Even little Rocket Man put down his weapons virtually the entire time that Trump was in office. So under Trump, you had world peace. And now we are on the brink, if you include Afghanistan, we are on the brink of basically four wars, not not including the debacle in Iran, which we are going to get to later. So the world is in chaos. Trump was supposed to be the madman who was going to lead us to the brink of war. Biden's supposed to be the pacifist. And look at the irony. It's totally not true. Trump was the, was, was the one who actually created peace around the world. And Biden's the one who may be leading us into war. All right, so this Johns Hopkins bombshell study about the uh, lockdowns. Remember the COVID lockdowns back when, when the pandemic first erupted in March of 2020 and April and May. And uh, the Democrats, and I defended a lot of politicians, not just the Democrats, I would add. You know, many politicians were firm believers in the lockdowns. And I also supported the lockdowns. And now I'm going to tell you why I regret a lot of that. But this Johns Hopkins study... Literally came. This is Johns Hopkins. They don't have any sort of right wing agenda. If anything, they, they, you know, you would think that they would slant to the left, but they are the authorities on. If there's ever an authority on science, Johns Hopkins, they are it. And they have come out that the lockdowns virtually did nothing to reduce COVID deaths. Point two percent. They're saying that the amount of COVID deaths, and that's you have to take that in contrast to all the harm that was caused and all the severe financial losses that were caused by the lockdowns and the mental health issues and everything else. But um, literally, and we're going to get into all of that, but literally the COVID lockdowns, they reduced the number of COVID deaths, according to Hopkins, by 0.2%, two-tenths of 1%, which, look, every life is precious, obviously. Every life is precious, but we, we were basically led to believe that the lockdowns would accomplish a lot more than that. And when you're weighing that versus all the negative aspects and all the detriment, all the harm caused by the lockdowns, Virtually everybody agrees now. Even Biden now is saying lockdowns are a bad idea. But here's the thing. The mainstream media has blacked it out. This story has been blacked out, no surprise, by the mainstream media. I'm going to quote you here from Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times and the Washington Post have completely avoided the Hopkins study, which found that the COVID lockdowns were ineffective. Literally, it does not support their narrative. Okay, they tell us they want to have a conversation they don't want to have a they only want to have a conversation when it suits their agenda. But when suddenly the conclusion that the science draws uh, conflicts and contradicts their agenda and it turns out that the lockdowns do more hard and good harm than good, then suddenly the media doesn't want to have any sort of discussion at all. So this according to this study, this was a meta analysis of several studies. That means they compile like a lot of data from 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 other studies Um the lockdowns during that first wave back in the spring of 2020, as I said, reduced COVID mortality in the U.S. and Europe by 0.2%. And listen to a quote here from the study. Quote, while this meta-analysis concludes that the lockdowns had have had little to no public health effects, they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. It could have been written by Trump. Remember how, for how many months Democrats in the media told us that like Trump was like murdering people and DeSantis in Florida and Texas where they were where they resisted lockdowns and they opened up very quickly. And uh, remember how the media told us how evil they were. Meanwhile, the numbers in Florida and a lot of other states that did not have lockdowns 
actually did much better than New York and California. But here you literally have the Hopkins people saying lockdown policies are ill-founded. And suddenly all these people, all these Democrats who supported lockdowns now, including Jem Psaki, is saying, oh, yeah, no, we don't believe in lockdowns. That was a Trump policy. That was a Trump policy. How about Fauci? Fauci is still in charge. And Fauci was the biggest proponent of lockdowns. And now we have a scientific study from Hopkins contradicting what basically anything Fauci told us about lockdowns. So you have CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, literally the five biggest news networks by far, other than Fox, obviously, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and NBC, they all ignored the Hopkins study. And remember, they used to blast red states and shame red states who had minimal restrictions like Florida, Texas, and Arizona, and they accused Republicans of holding super spreader events. And in addition, the AP, the Washington Post, USA Today, Reuters, the New York Times, they all virtually ignored the study. So here you have science at its best. You literally have science. This is literally follow the science. The lockdowns were ineffective. The lockdowns were a bad idea. They caused far, far more harm than good, way, too, way, more, way more harm than good. Hopkins is like the world authority on science, not exaggerating here at all. And they used Hopkins again and again when it supported their restrictions and where it supported their mandates. So the researchers, they analyzed the effects of lockdown measures like school shutdowns, business closures, mass, and even mask mandates, by the way. Quote, we find little to no evidence that mandated lockdowns in Europe and the U.S. had a noticeable effect on COVID mortality rates. By the way, really interesting. They examined shelter-in-place orders, and they found, listen to this, shelter-in-place orders reduced COVID mortality by 2.9%, but that's only, uh, but studies that looked at, at only shelter-in-place orders found they reduced COVID by 5.1%, but when they looked at shelter-in-place orders along with other lockdown measures, Shelter-in-place orders actually increased COVID mortality by 2.8%. So shelter mortality, when it was looked at along with other lockdown measures, it increased. It increased COVID mortality. In other words, it caused more deaths. How could that be? How could shelter-in-place cause more deaths? So the researchers concluded, listen to this, this is shocking. Limited gatherings may have increased COVID mortality. When they forced people to be with their family alone for days and days, they believe, the Hopkins researchers, that that actually increased the amount of deaths. And here's why. They say... Shelter-in-place orders may isolate an infected person at home, I'm quoting, with his or her family, where they risk infecting family members with a higher viral load, which could cause more severe illness. So they're actually saying shelter-in-place could have caused people to give a higher viral load and thus a more severe sickness um, versus non-shelter-in-place orders because everybody's crowded together in one place for days and days. And if somebody does have it, then they're going to give it to others. And they believe the more the viral load, the more severe it becomes. Researchers also pointed out other consequences of lockdowns, such as higher unemployment, less schooling, and an increase in domestic violence and surging drug overdoses. Do you know that there was a 28% increase in drug overdoses following the lockdowns, domestic violence, was increased by over 8% after the lockdown orders. And, of course, the unemployment rate, as we know, it peaked at 14.8% back in April of 2020. So what they're saying is here, quote, such a standard benefit cost and a calculation leads to a strong conclusion lockdown should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument. And, of course, the media ignored this because the media has been telling us forever, lockdown, 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 and Dr. Fauci. This is a death blow to Dr. Fauci. Because he was the how is the how does that man still have a job? We're going to get to more Dr. Fauci in a moment. It is mind boggling that Dr. Fauci is still the man in charge and that he has not been fired. He's been wrong 
so many times, and this now is, as I said, is the death blow because lockdowns. He told us again and again that was the solution. Now, and I want to read. I want to play you a clip here. This is from November, and this has been eating away at me for quite a long time. This is Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, Dr. Fauci's boss. He actually he 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 retired. He retired several weeks ago, but this is a clip of him right before he retired, the head of the NIH, and. He was asked about something called the Great Barrington Declaration. And this is very important because this tells you everything you need to know about these men of science like this Francis Collins claims to be and like Dr. Fauci. So I'll explain in a moment. But first, listen to this clip. We always hear follow the science. And, you know, science is observation, description, experimentation, then explanation. But it seems that a lot of health policymakers uh, have been trying to silence opposing views. In a newly uh, released set of emails received from Freedom of Information Act between you and Dr. Fauci in October of 2020, you referenced the Great Barrington Declaration. That was a group of epidemiologists and public health scientists who wrote, quote, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of prevailing COVID-19 policies. Continuing current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. In this email to Dr. Fauci and Cliff Lane at NAA, You write, quote, hi, Tony and Cliff, see, and you connect to the Great Barrington Declaration link. This proposal from three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention and even a co-signature from a Nobel Prize winner, Mike Levitt, at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating public takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Francis, did you write that? I did write that, and I will stand by that. Let let me explain. What was being proposed there was basically saying, let's not worry about mitigation. Let's just let this virus rip. Uh, This is, of course, before we had vaccines. And basically, these, I will call them fringe epidemiologists who really did not have the credentials to be making such a grand sweeping statement, were saying, just let the virus run through the population, and eventually then everybody will have had it and we'll be okay. Hundreds of thousands of people would have died uh, if we had followed that strategy. So I'm sorry. I was opposed to that. I still am. And I'm not going to apologize for it. There are times when people make crazy uh, proposals on the basis of pseudoscience, and that needs to be called out. Right. But I guess it just follows this track with the early days downplaying or trying to discredit the lab leak theory from Wuhan. Uh, why, Why spend the time doing that when we're talking about observation, description, experimentation, and explanation. I mean, now it seems like the lab leak is a real possibility. Well, Brad, I'm really sorry that the lab leak has become such a distraction for so many people, because frankly, we still don't know. There is no evidence. This is unbelievable. So what you have, first of all, numerous lies that were told by Francis Collins. We have there is Brett Baer of Fox News uh, asking Francis Collins about an email. This email was disclosed, was revealed uh, due, due to FOIA, due to Freedom of Information Act. And you have literally Francis Collins who's writing, oh, look at this movement. This movement is gaining steam where they want to end the lockdown. This is early on, as, as was said in the clip, early on in the pandemic. And Francis Collins says, you cannot do this. Now, this was scientists. These were real scientists. So there are a few points here that you got to be aware of. Number one, Francis Collins says he says they wanted to let it rip. He says they would have led to hundreds of thousands of deaths. So th- he, that's a lie. They did not want to let it rip. The Great Barrington Declaration, let me tell you a little bit about it. 
it was it, it was spearheaded by three scientists. There's like 925,000 signatures on it at this point. It's still out there on the web. But this was started by launched by three scientists. He calls them pseudoscientists. They know much more about infectious disease than than Francis Collins ever will. They've forgotten more about infectious disease than Francis Collins ever will. One of them is a professor at Harvard. One is a professor at Stanford, and one is a professor at Oxford. So you talk about he is literally discounting them. Oh, they're pseudoscientists. You're talking about some of the biggest in, infectious disease or epidemiologists on the planet from the biggest colleges, the biggest universities that, that this man Collins supposedly respects, and he's calling them pseudoscientists. Why? Because they didn't agree with his lockdown measures, because they actually thought it's a much better idea to keep the country open. And now, this is in November, now the Hopkins study confirms it, but put that aside. They didn't want to let it rip. Okay, so number one, he's calling them pseudoscientists. He's discounting them. Francis Collins is a chemist. Francis Collins is not even an epidemiologist. I don't know what the man knows about epidemiology. These are three top epidemiologists, Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford. And that's not like – they're not like right-wing institutions. They're as leftist as you can get. And they put out this thing and they said, listen – and look, everybody here wanted to save human lives, okay? Everyone, I believe, had – had good intentions, except that except that a guy like Francis Collins, he lets his agenda get in the way. He'd rather let people die if it suits his agenda. At least that's the conclusion that I'm drawing over here, because why did he suppress them? Why not have an open conversation about it, right? It turns out they were right, right? So obviously he didn't know better than they did. So they said, listen, they didn't say let it rip. They said hide the old people. They said hide the high-risk people. Put the high-risk people and the elderly people, anybody high-risk, should go and be uh, kept away, kept out of society, but the rest of society should function and you should let herd immunity rip through the population in the low-risk people. In other words, COVID spreading anyway. That's the logic. The logic is COVID is spreading, so let it spread amongst people. And people told me this at the beginning of the pandemic and who knows, right? I didn't know. It turns out, according to Hopkins, that sounds like it was correct, but nobody knew at the time. But it's definitely a reasonable and legitimate argument is, listen, the, the high-risk people, you've got to protect them. Everybody else, let them go about their normal lives and we'll achieve herd immunity much faster. That was the Great Barrington Declaration. And this man, Francis Collins, writes an email to his buddy Fauci and says, you know what? We have to suppress this. We have to bury this. What about the science? No, well, they're pseudoscientists. No, they're not. They know much more about the science, it turns out, than Francis Collins. And he says they wanted to let it rip. They would have led to hundreds of thousands more deaths. Actually, according to the Hopkins study, we now know it probably would have led to fewer deaths, but they didn't want to let it rip. So that's a lie. So Francis Collins, he doesn't care about science. He doesn't even care about, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the best solution is. He only cares about the control. He only cares about being in power. He only cares about advancing the lockdown agenda. What other conclusion can you draw? Here's an actual headline uh, 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 that was in CNBC last week. Quote, last time COVID deaths were this high, vaccines were not readily available. Yes, the, the, we've now reached over 900,000. Every life is precious. I want to be very clear here. This is painful to even have a conversation like this about how many deaths. Now, they weren't. not all COVID deaths means that the people died of COVID because Rochelle Walensky admitted that it's possible that somebody tested positive of COVID, died of another cause, and they listed it as a COVID death. But there's been a lot of COVID deaths. There's been way too many COVID deaths. Where's the outrage against Biden? Biden is, is responsible for more COVID deaths than Trump, even though Biden has a vaccine. Well, it's Omicron. Well, I'm sorry. Figure out a way to deal with Omicron. You blame Trump. Trump Trump also didn't see it coming, but you blame Trump. But then when you don't see it coming, which you should have seen it coming, because we also, every child knew that there was going to be another variant that was more contagious. But uh, that's what happened again and again. But Biden's the one guy who didn't realize that, and he's supposed to get a pass. And Fauci, literally all 900,000 deaths have happened under Fauci's watch. Think about this for a minute. Literally 
Fauci is responsible for every single death in the United States. He was pro-lockdown. Even Psaki now admits lockdowns were bad. Fauci, he, you know, he, he preached false science. He got the science wrong again and again. He repeatedly lied. He lied about masks. He lied about gain-of-function research. He lied to Congress. He funded gain-of-function research. I mean, this man, like, he should be thrown in jail. Fauci should literally be thrown in jail, you know, because he's totally responsible for, the, like, the worst COVID policies again and again. Meanwhile, and this is another bombshell, media is ignoring this, and don't worry, we're going to get to a lot of other things. I'm, I know I, I dove deep into this one, but it's very important, obviously, and obviously I'm very emotional about it. Uh, and I've had a lot of caffeine today, yes. Meanwhile, the FDA has tried, get this, this is going to blow your mind, the FDA has tried to get the Pfizer research dead and buried. Literally, the FDA asked the judge if they could bury, um, this is no exaggeration, bury the Pfizer data, the Pfizer clinical study, uh, for their vaccine that, that the FDA used to approve their vaccine, the FDA tried to get it buried for 75 years. And a judge said, no way, I am not exaggerating. I mean, this should be the top headline. If this were Trump, this should be the top headline of like the New York Times, Washington Post, every newspaper on the planet. The FDA asked the judge, they want to hide the research, the, the research that was used for the Pfizer vaccine to approve it. The research that was done by Pfizer submitted Pfizer submitted to the FDA. The FDA asked a judge to please hide it for the next 75 years. And the judge said, no, no chance. And the judge gave them eight months, 75 years. Now, you wonder what they're trying to hide. I am pro-vaccine. I think that you should speak to a doctor. But I certainly think that in the right scenario, the, the vaccines are a good thing, at least based on my knowledge that I have so far. You know, I, that could always change. But a, but a FOIA request was made, a Freedom of Information Act uh, request was made for the FDA to release 12,000 pages of the data that it used to approve the Pfizer vaccine. And here's what the FDA said. They said that they could only release 500 pages a month. So if you do the math, that's 75 years. They said, sorry, 12,000 pages. We can only do 6,000 pages a year. So it's going to take us 75 years. On January 6th, U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman said, uh, no, this is very important. He said it's it's of paramount importance to the public. And he said, you have to release it within eight months. So I can't wait to see what that what that information, what that data holds. But like you think, you think it's of major public importance? I mean, why can't they just be transparent? Like, do they think that us lowly conservatives are not going to understand the science and are going to accuse the FDA of making nefarious decisions if we actually see the data? Why are they so afraid to show us the data and let us decide for, for ourselves? They have to control everything. And, and I'm really curious. And look, again, it doesn't mean that the vaccine is unsafe, but it probably means that there's a lot more complications of the vaccine than they ever admitted. Now, it's still very possible that, that the good, that the benefits outweigh the risk. But let us decide that. All right. Meanwhile, I was one of the conservatives and then we're going to move on. I was not against lockdowns early on. There were some conservatives who said, listen, it's government overreach. You cannot allow lockdowns. And here's what I said. I said, listen, if it saves lives, this is not like high taxes. This is like life and death. So I defended them. I said, if it, if it saves lives, then I'm okay with it. And I defended the Democrats. And whether I was right or wrong at the time, but that's not my point. My point is that if the science backs up the policies, that's why I'm so angry is because I defended these policies because I believed that the science would back it up. And I got a lot of flack from other conservatives and from listeners. And it turns out now we see the Democrats are a bunch of phony hypocrites. They use science when it helps them be in power, but they repeatedly lie about the science if it doesn't enable them to have control. Let's move on here. There's a group that wants to give felons. Well, some some government agency is giving felons free money in Florida. They're literally rewarding people for being ex-convicts. Here's a headline. Bold new initiative in Florida 
to give ex-cons guaranteed income. There's some sort of guaranteed income program. Only if you're an ex-con, if you actually abide by the law, if, if, if you actually are a good conscientious citizen and you don't break the law, you don't get guaranteed income, you don't get free money. But they want to give guaranteed income, and you cannot make this stuff up, to convicted felons who are coming out of jail. And here's a, here's a quote from the article. Can giving them free money prevent them from returning to jail? That's a quote. No, the answer is no. Giving them free money is going to encourage people that they should go back to jail and encourage people that crime pays. And, and giving free money to anybody is a bad idea, by the way. Anybody. And it's been proven time and again. All right, Whoopi Goldberg, of course, her comments were disgraceful. I don't know if it means that she's an anti-Semite. I don't know. I, I, you know me. I'm reluctant to use the label anti-Semite. But I do believe not only is she insensitive – and she has apologized, but she was advancing a narrative that is a very anti-Semitic narrative. So, you know, whatever her agenda is, she was advancing an anti-Semitic narrative. That's a fact. I'm going to read you some quotes here from Ben Shapiro. Now, uh, number one, people sh- who are on television should just just don't talk about the Holocaust, period, unless you're going to say something that's extremely, extremely not controversial. Like, it's just, it's just silly. I'm just pointing that out. I mean, uh, in this case, her comments were shameful. Her comments were totally false. And she said that the Holocaust was not about race. The Holocaust was 100% about race. She said it was white people who were doing things against each other, and that's not at all true. Uh, and she, you know, she totally minimized it, but it's more than minimizing it. She actually supported uh, a modern-day anti-Semitic movement, as I'm going to explain. So she got suspended for two weeks. And does she deserve to be canceled? Does Whoopi Goldberg deserve to actually be thrown off the show and be fired, which is not going to happen. But here's what's amazing is all these liberals were saying, oh, you know what, Whoopi Goldberg, she should not have been suspended. Where were they, uh, are, you know, yelling about the cancel culture when it's done to, to, to conservatives? It's like when when Trump is canceled, when Rand Paul is canceled, when Lauren Boebert is canceled and Marjorie Taylor Greene, so many people are canceled on the right. And these leftists don't say a word, of course, these because they're total hypocrites. But then suddenly when they cancel one of their own for two weeks, they're all up in arms and outrage and saying, well, why would you cancel her freedom of speech, freedom of speech? If you're a, if you if you're a liberal, then you have freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is only for liberals, not for conservatives who are, who get who get suspended and fired and censored out because of misinformation when they say something that the Democrats do not agree with. So Ben, ben Shapiro made this point and, and uh, he's essentially saying Whoopi Goldberg's comments justify anti-Semitism, because what's happening is the liberals believe that if if a minority commits an anti-Semitic attack, that's okay. That's okay because Jews are basically successful because they're white. This is Ben Shapiro said he's 100% right here, is the only time you ever hear the media talking about anti-Semitism being a problem is when it's done by white supremacists. But when it's a radical Muslim or when blacks or Hispanics attack Jews, then suddenly the media is silent. Because he says, because Jews are considered white. Here is a quote from Shapiro, quote, the intersectional argument is that Jews are white people. Jews are disproportionately successful thanks to white supremacy. Since Jews are powerful because they are white, anti-Semitism from non-white supremacists is not bigotry. The logic, this logic is why the left will condemn anti-Semitic attacks like the one at the Tree of Life, but quickly forget anti-Semitic attacks by black Hebrew Israelites in New Jersey or radical Muslims in Texas. In other words, minorities who attack Jews are really, they're fighting white supremacism. And that's what Whoopi Goldberg was saying. Whoopi Goldberg, she said that the Holocaust was not about race, and she essentially said it was just white people who were fighting against white people, which is so incredibly, the the comments were disgraceful. And as Ben Shapiro says, what she's saying is Jews are not 
a race. Jew, being Jewish is not a race. Hitler said Jews are a race, and he looked at Jews as the inferior race. So it clearly was all about race. But Whoopi Goldberg is saying, no, Jews are whites, and she's advancing the narrative that it's okay for minorities to be anti-Semites, as, as Ben Shapiro pointed out. All right, so President Biden assassinated one of the leaders of ISIS, and I'll give credit to President Biden. This is a very big deal, so I certainly want to mention it. Give Biden credit. U.S. Special Ops on Thursday in Syria killed ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi. They raided his headquarters, and when they did, he blew himself up. He blew his family up, which is pretty sad that for you know his wives and children. But um, but at least he was killed in that in that raid. This was a complex operation that was planned for weeks. They're saying it was the level and scale of the operation that took out bin Laden back in 2011. So look, I will give Biden credit. This is a rare win for Biden. But I always say, you know, any president like Obama did it with bin Laden. If a president takes out a leader of a terrorist group, you know, if we're talking about a real leader and it seems that we are over here, this was a global leader, then you've got to give them credit. I will give it. Um, Al-Hashimi took over as leader of ISIS back in 2019 after Trump, of course, took out al-Baghdadi. Uh, a lawsuit has begun. The, the trial has begun Sarah Palin versus the New York Times. And let me go into this a little bit here because this could be a, have major repercussions for these mainstream media outlets who write things that are untrue, who write fake stories accusing conservatives of things. And in this case, accusing conservatives of inciting violence, which is totally false. So here's what happened. New York Times put out an editorial um, years ago. This was in 2017, strongly implying that Sarah Palin caused the shooting of Congresswoman Gabriel Giffords, Democrat, which took place in Arizona in 2011, which a, a horrific shooting of Congresswoman Ga- Gabrielle Giffords. Um, Gabrielle, I'm sorry, the name her name was Gabrielle Giffords, but um, the, not Gabriel. The court proceedings um, started on Thursday, a defamation trial against the New York Times. And remember, in light of the Nicholas Sandman settlements, uh, this is a very big deal. The case stems from a, an editorial in June of 2017. It was published hours after a gunman opened fire at a congressional baseball practice near Washington, D.C., which wounded several people, including Congressman Steve Scalise. Remember that? We reported on that at the time. Uh, Rand Paul was at that was at that um, gathering, you know, was at that baseball practice. And, uh, and of course, Steve Scalise was very, very badly injured. It took him months to recover. But so after that shooting, the New York Times put out a piece and um, the piece referenced the 2011 shooting against the Democrat, Gabrielle Giffords. Six people were killed in that shooting. And the, the Times suggested that the violence was fueled by political rhetoric. The Times quoted an ad. The ad was done by Palin's political action committee, and it superimposed crosshairs over Democratic House districts, including Gabrielle Giffords. So the Times later, so the Times basically, the, the crosshairs, that's the big deal here, is the crosshairs superimposing that image. Palin's political action committee had superimposed crosshairs, like from a gun, over Democrat House districts. One of them was Giffords, okay? That's what the New York Times put out in 2017 in reference to a shooting, by the way. It was done by a Bernie Sanders supporter. A Bernie Sanders supporter is the one who shot up a bunch of Republicans at the baseball practice. So the Times later issued two corrections. Number one, it said the article incorrectly stated a link existed between political rhetoric and the 2011 shooting of Ms. Giffords. The other correction said the crosshairs did not cover individual Democrat lawmakers, just the locations of their district. So I want to be clear here. The the truth was, now there was no link between political rhetoric, Palin's rhetoric, and the 2011 shooting. But the New York Times, number one, 
The Times imply this is so damaging. And the Times deserves to lose millions over this and shut down over this, if you ask me. But number one, the Times in, in its editorial implied that Sarah Palin's rhetoric actually incited the shooting of Congresswoman Gabrielle Gifford. Giffords. That is false. The Times was advancing a fake narrative, as they do so often. Number two, the Times was implying that the crosshairs were actually uh, superimposed on a picture of Gabrielle Giffords, not on her district. It's very, very different. Crosshairs on a district versus crosshairs on an actual politician, obviously. So the Times lied and misled and made it seem as though, number one, Giffords was in the crosshairs, and number two, there was any sort of link between Sarah Palin and that ad and the attack against Gabrielle Giffords, which is totally not true. And the Times, of course, later corrected it. Big deal. They later corrected it. That's what they always do. That's their tactic. If they get caught and they're worried about a lawsuit, they correct it or if they get busted. So here's a quote here from the Wall Street Journal. It's a moment of momentous focus on libel law, said First Amendment attorney Floyd Abrams. If Palin prevails, it would be a public rebuke of the Times and the press as a whole. After all, the Times cannot lose this case if they acted in good faith. Um, On Thursday, Palin's lawyers framed the case as a test of media accountability, told jurors they will explore the Times' ethical guidelines and publication standards, which required Mr. Bennett, who was the person who the author of this op-ed, to fact-check the details he added to the piece. Quote, Palin lawyer Shane Voigt said, quote, the reason he did not check those facts is simple. He didn't care. He had a narrative from the beginning that he was going to make. David Axelrod, New York Times lawyer, said that uh, Bennett and the New York Times did not intend to publish anything false about Governor Palin. Quote, they failed to appreciate how some readers would interpret two sentences in the middle of that editorial and then acted quickly to correct the mistake. He said there was no credible evidence that Palin was actually harmed by publication of the editorial, which was not even about her. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure that makes everybody feel better. Mr. Bennett in sworn court filing said he did not intend to apply a direct causal link between the Palin map and the 2011 shooting, nor did he intend for readers to draw such an inference. Instead, he intended to advance the idea that overheated political rhetoric can create a climate conducive to violent acts. And I mentioned the crosshairs map as an example of the kind of political incitement that contributes to this atmosphere. I mean, come on. We all know exactly what they were trying. You know, this is what they do is they write it in a way strategically to, you know, bring home, drive home a point. And here it's very clear that they were completely trying to imply and that that Palin, that her ad was responsible for the assass- for the attempted assassination, for the shooting of Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. It's so clear. And now the Times, of course, is trying to spin it and act like, oh, you know, we didn't we never intended for readers to misinterpret it. That was exactly what they were intending. And they're literally making a mockery of all of us. And it's not a careless mistake. It's not a careless mistake. The New York Times, they do this kind of thing all the time where they'll print fake news or biased news that, that, you know, that tries to advance their agenda and tries to hurt conservatives. And again, that shooting, the real story there was that it was a liberal Bernie Sanders supporter, socialist Bernie Sanders, a supporter of his who actually shot up a bunch of Republicans. And yet, why are we not blaming Bernie Sanders rhetoric? The answer is you cannot blame a politician when crazy people act based on their rhetoric. It's the crazy person who you blame, not the politician. But the people on the left are always doing this. They're blaming Trump. They're bailing, They're blaming Palin, blaming other Republicans. When somebody crazy will go, somebody crazy who happens to follow them will go. But it happens on both sides. It's it's very, very simple. And this could have major repercussions, as I said, because this could, could pave the way for other lawsuits against the fake news media. Uh, Joe Biden is defying the court order to resume the Remain in Mexico policy, the Remain in Mexico program. They're just going through the motions. What a surprise. We've told you 
that a judge actually forced, ordered Biden, the Biden administration, to go back to remain in Mexico, which was a great program because they forces asylum seekers rather than allowing them into the United States and they blend in and assimilate and never return for, for, for their asylum hearing. This forces them to stay in Mexico. This is one of Trump's best, biggest accomplishments on the border. And Biden reversed it. And a judge for said to Biden, you have no basis for reversing it. So they've only returned a few hundred asylum seekers to Mexico. They've apprehended over 75,000 asylum seekers um, over the past few months, and they've only returned several hundred of them to Mexico. Where are the rest? Obviously, the rest are getting released into U.S. society. So the whole thing is a sham. Um, Liberal Democrat Bob Menendez, he says, why are we trying to salvage the bogus Iran nuclear deal? I'm paraphrasing him. He didn't use the word bogus, but that's what he said. He said, why are we trying to salvage the Iran nuclear deal? He's the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and he expressed concern. On the Senate floor, he expressed concern about the fact that Biden is still negotiating with Iran. What are we in, the ninth round of talks? Ninth round of talks with Iran, begging them to rejoin the nuclear deal, which was a terrible deal to begin with. And Bob Menendez says, like, what are we doing this? We're banging our head against the wall. We're, we're basically giving Iran the green light to a nuclear weapon. In a speech on Tuesday, Menendez said, quote, as someone who followed Iran's nuclear ambitions for the better part of three decades, I'm here today to raise concerns about the current round of negotiations over the JCPOA, that's the bogus nuclear deal, and Iran's dangerously and rapidly escalating nuclear program that has put it on the brink of having enough material for a nuclear weapon. He said he's been cautiously optimistic, but a year later, quote, I have yet to hear any parameters of longer or stronger terms or whether that is even a feasible prospect, even when it seemed a constructive agreement might be possible last summer. Upon taking office, the Raisi government abandoned all previous understandings and made absolutely clear that Iran's ballistic missiles and regional proxy network are not negotiable. Moreover, at this point, we seriously have to ask ourselves, what exactly are we trying to salvage? That's Bob Menendez. Bob Menendez is not a conservative. He's not a Trump guy. He's a liberal Democrat from New Jersey. All right, the Olympics in China. It is egregious that the United States, I think there's some kind of like political boycott where the politicians are boycotting it. They're calling it like a diplomatic boycott, but... But the athletes are not boycotting the Olympics. In fact, Nancy Pelosi urged U.S. athletes, Olympians, who are, who are performing at the Olympics, not to speak out against China. She said, do not criticize the ruthless, China, ruthless Chinese government. Quote, here's a quote from Pelosi. Quote, I would say to our athletes, you're there to compete. Do not risk incurring the anger of the Chinese government because they are ruthless. I know there's a temptation on the part of some to speak out while they are there. I respect that, but I also worry that the Chinese government might do to their reputations. Uh, I'm worried about what the Chinese government might do to their reputations or to their families, urging these athletes not to speak out against the vicious, vicious, evil, unthinkable, unspeakable human rights abuses of China. And that's putting aside, of course, uh, the, the, the COVID pandemic, which, which best case scenario was extreme, extreme, not just negligence on the part of China because they refused lockdowns. It's more than negligence. It's evil. But even, even if it came from a bat, which it did not, uh, it almost certainly did not. But even if it did, China allowed it to spread throughout the world when they should have stopped it and they should have quarantined people and prevented people from traveling abroad. But of course they wanted to, to wreck the world economy. They didn't want to be the only country whose economy was tanked. And, and and assuming it's a lab leak theory, which all the evidence points to it being, I mean, China should be, we should literally like declare war on China. Every country on the planet should sanction China. I know they're too big. I know they're too, you know, they're too necessary, but like they're getting away with murdering millions of people. All right, that's going to do it for today and we will see you next time.